This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture Spelled a Rushing. And just want to welcome everybody to Mississippi Public Broadcast. How you doing this morning, Java? Oh, man, I'm doing nice and fine. It is uh, um, warm outside in Mississippi. And I tell you that because I know you are not in Mississippi right now. That's why you're on yeah. the phone. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually uh, I'm actually in Virginia um, at a place called Waynesboro, Virginia. They've got an old, old, you know, one of those old Victorian auditoriums and they're having a big horticultural event. And I'm uh, giving a couple of talks here. So anyway, I'm over in Virginia, uh, up in the mountains of Virginia and had a real interesting drive getting over here yesterday, going through the Smoky Mountains and looking at all the wildflowers, which is going to be sort of the topic of my uh, answers to question you never ask thing but anyway there's a lot of stuff going on this this weekend and we're going to talk about it but as usual here on mississippi public broadcasting this is a live call-in program if anybody wants to talk about their gardens or what's going on or what they should do or or or, or anything like that now, job i gotta ask you this you know i've, I've been watching the weather because i've got to drive them here back to memphis for a lecture in memphis tomorrow which is a 10-hour drive uh but it looks like i'm gonna be running through some a really bad rain. Is it is it going to come through Mississippi or is it going to go north of it? Well, the predictions are later on today, going off into the night, um, we're supposed to get some some significant rain and, um, and, and wind. So today is a weather-aware day um, here at MPB, and we're just, you know, going to keep monitoring everything and make sure everybody's safe. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, I've got to, like, I've got to drive uh, – about 800, 700-something miles, and somewhere across in between there, I'm going to have to hunker down, I guess. But anyway, that's what it, you know, that's what it's about. A lot of people have got spring fever. They got ready to plant a couple of weeks ago. It got up to 70 degrees, maybe 80. I don't know, but it was too warm for March, and a lot of people decided they were going to start planting stuff a little bit early, and a spring fever will do that to you. It'll make you do crazy stuff that your mind says don't do, but... Anyway, we had that uh, that freeze last weekend, which really did a good bit of damage to uh, plants that normally don't get uh, spring damage. Uh, so anyway, that between the hard freeze of December, which caught plants unaware, uh, and the late uh, hard freeze we had last weekend, uh, people's gardens are looking pretty rough. And I'm expecting folks who want to call in and, and just talk about it. Meanwhile, a couple of real quick tips. There's some events going on this weekend. I want to share them with you, uh, the ones that I know about. Uh, first of all, the Crosby Arboretum uh, down in Picayune is having its, its spring native plant sale. It's uh, a Friday and Saturday, um, and it's from 10 o'clock to noon. And they've got some really cool plants, great garden plants that happen to be native. You can't get anywhere else. So anyway, that's Crosby Arboretum down at Picayune. Uh, next weekend, uh, there's going to be plant swaps on Thursday at the Flora Library, the oldest plant swap we know of in the known universe. It's going to be at the Flora Library, uh, Flora's north of Jackson, starting at 9 o'clock. And it's a really fun, fun group of folks. Uh, unusual uh, plants, unusual folks. You don't have to be a joint or anything like that. But starts at 9 o'clock. Then I'm going to be giving a talk that afternoon on plant swapping and, and, uh, and that little slide presentation at the Madison Library at 3 o'clock. That's all next Thursday uh, on the, the 30th. Saturday, April the 1st, is the 
big plant swap down in Mobile. It's at the uh, uh, Central Presbyterian Church parking lot right by their community garden. Uh, it's St. Anne and Dolphin. Uh, we'll talk about it a, a little bit more next week, but that's a really big one. Uh, and then the last event I've got uh, is going to be in Memphis. This is this Saturday at AgriCenter International in Memphis. That's on Walnut Grove Road. Real easy to find, but at the Red Barn, the Memphis area master gardeners are having uh, their big spring fling thing. It's free. They got speakers all today, got speakers all tomorrow. And I've given a, a, a talk uh, at 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon, again at the Red Barn, AgriCenter International, uh, on Walnut Grove in Memphis. Free entry. My talk is going to be on how to get away with native plants and wildflowers in regular yards without honking off the neighbors. Uh, I get, can I say honking off the neighbors, Java? I think that's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, a lot of people don't understand. You know, a lot of people think native plants and wildflowers are wild, and they are in nature. But you put it in your yard, you know, we don't think of a magnolia tree or a dogwood or an oak as, as weird in the landscape. There's a lot of great plants that do the same thing. So uh, if you want to, uh, to learn a little bit more about that, 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon, Red Barn at Agri Center in Memphis. We're going to be talking about that. So anyway, what's going on, Java? Talk to me, man. Well, we got a few calls uh, lined up. Uh, Charlie in Oxford, Kevin Farrell's in there lining up um, some more calls. But we also have Chris in Greene County who's going to join our show um, right now. Good morning, Chris. Okay. Hey, hey, Chris. Good morning. Hey, How what's you up, doing, everybody? Man? Good. I'm up? good, guys. I listen. Uh, I listen to you every Friday, uh, Java. I listen to you just as often as you're on the radio. I really love this particular program, but also all the ones that you guys do. This one just happens to be my favorite. Um, well, you I have a question about my job. blueberry bushes, Felder. Yeah, how they look. So I've got one that I purchased at the uh, the Loosedale Livestock Yard last year for five bucks, and it was kind of just a twig, and it looks yeah. better than some of the ones I've had for years. The ones that I've had yeah. for a long time seem to have been attacked over the winter by that really hard frost that we had in November. They do have new green leaves coming out, but they're kind of closer to the trunk, and a lot of the actual branches on this particular bush are, they seem to be dead. How do I need to take care of it? Well, first of all, you can tell if they're dead or not by just scratching on the bark, and it should be bright green right under the bark. Practice on some other plants until you find because dog uh, 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 blueberries don't have really big limbs. So practice on some other plant. And if you find bright green right under the leaf, uh, under the bark, even if they haven't sprouted out, you can prune back to that area, and they'll sprout out uh, in, you know, in a few weeks, just as if you pruned it anyway. Uh, but other than that, if you just want to cut it back to uh, where it's got sprouts coming out, because of the roots are still in, in good uh, shape, Chris, those plants are going to grow a whole lot better this year. The, the roots are intact, so if you cut it back, well, what sprouts out will grow really, really vigorously. Okay, do I need to work on the roots at all or just kind of maybe no. even just transplant it to a bigger unit? No, 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 no. What, when you say units, is this in the dirt or in some pots or what? No, I, nope, I kept them in pots last year just because I didn't, I didn't have the right spot in my yard where I knew that I was never going to have to move them again. Yeah, so I think well, I found got, my proper spot this year. Okay, what I would do is I would cut them back a little bit, you know, just invigorate them. And then before you plant them, go ahead and dig the dirt ahead of time so you can dig it a couple of times. The first time, not going to be that much fun. Give it a week or so, dig it again, it'll be turn it and turn it real creamy and smooth. So dig it twice before you plant. And if you can find, if you can go to a garden center and to find some potting soil that's got real peat moss in it, something like miracle Grow, you know, really good, this mm-hmm. sort of reddish-brown stuff, if you work a couple of shovels full of that into your native dirt, 
blueberries grow better like that. And then when you plant it, loosen up the potting soil a little bit. Uh, don't, you know, don't booger the plant up too much, but loosen up the roots so that they're not in a pot shape anymore. And just, just water them. Mulch them really well. Give them a good soaking every uh, couple of three weeks the first summer, and you'll be ready to go. All right. That's exactly what I needed. Thank you very much, Felder. Okay, man. Appreciate your call, Chris. Thanks for the compliment, too. Java, you heard that, didn't you? Yeah, thank you, Chris. We appreciate you for tuning in to MPB Think Radio, and I hope it's not too cliche, but you are who we do it for. <laughs> there you go. Hey, and by the way, hey, are you are you could be at the at the uh, what, what's his home and guard? What's his thing this weekend? Yeah, the home show Jackson is at the Clyde Muse Center um, in Pearl and Fix It One on One. We're actually going to be broadcasting live uh, tomorrow morning, nine a.m. And then uh, you can come on out and get some some DIY and, and home improvement inspiration, remodel inspiration. It's going to be a, a good time. You were out there last year. I was. I showed everybody how to make a flower pot out of a tire and half killed me. <laughs> <laughs> so you can be there, right? Yeah, we're going to be there along with some other um, MPB hosts, and it's going to be it's going to be a good time. Good time. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's great. Well, uh, let's get back to to work. What who we got on the line now to talk with? Yeah, coming up next, we're going to Oxford and talking with Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, Felder. Thanks a lot for taking my call. You bet. Man, What's I've up? got a uh, a medium-sized Japanese maple. Um, then the trunk, the base, down at the base, it is it, the the it's rotting, you know, and the the bark yeah. is flaking off and sheets. But it's still putting out leaves on some of the branches, and I'm wondering, can I save this tree, or is it just going to die in the next few years? Well, he, here's the this is an old tree, right? Been there a while. Yeah, it's not as big. I've got another one that's much bigger. So this is probably yeah. 12 feet tall or something like It's not oh, a huge yeah. Japanese maple. Yeah. Know? Well, he, he, here's the deal. First of all, Japanese maples, they, they do fine. They do fine. But they're also more likely to die than a lot of other plants. Sort of like our native red buds. You know, they, 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 mm-hmm. they, they do great. But once they start getting problems, there's not much you can do about it. Here's the deal. My rule of thumb, and keep in mind, I helped to teach the tree surgery course at Mississippi State, is if the wound on a tree at the opening, the, the bad-looking area is more than about a third of the way around the, the trunk, uh, it's going to have trouble down the road. Uh, it can still do fine. You can have a tree that's completely hollow that's still perfectly healthy as long as it's got enough trunk circumference to send food from the leaves down to the roots. It flows right under mm. the bark. So if it's not too big okay. a wound, it can live for a long time. You can actually hollow that out and get you a little time gnome is sticking there and let the tree be completely hollow long as the wound's not more than about a third of the way the tree should still have what we call structural integrity How, mm-hmm. however you might want to help the tree out take some of the workload off the roots by just thinning out maybe some of the limbs and if not some of the limbs then some of the branches on the limb don't leave studs but cut a branch or two here and there maybe a limb or two uh, and just sort of thin it out and the energy that would have gone to what you cut off We'll go to what's left. That'll sort of reinvent. It just takes the workload off the roots. Okay, so do I don't need to do anything physical to the wound itself. Just let let no, it no. do what no, it's going to do. You know, everybody talks about you know we're going to put pruning paints and all like that. That's just nothing but pure cosmetic. If it'll make somebody think you know what you're doing, go for it. But other than okay. that, you know. Like it, you can actually hollow down and get your little concrete toes to and put in there, but something. Um, but but there's there's no in, there's no treatment for that kind of thing. And, okay, uh, gotcha. Uh, there's one other thing I was going to say. Oh, if you give it a little fertilizer, 
don't overdo it. We don't want to push the plant with too much growth. Just a little fertilizer, keep it healthy, spread all under the outer spread of the branches. And out. you know, if you got grass nearby, fertilize your grass. There's more enough for the tree, too. Okay, perfect. All right, thank you, Felder. Okay, and, oh, and also Google the word characterful because your tree is now characterful. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I'll, I'll try to find something to stick up under there. The there you go. Sculpture. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Make, 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 make right. it look like it's supposed to be an antique because it is. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you bet. Thanks, man. All right, Sir Java. I'm in uh, Virginia, yakking with folks in Mississippi and Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, and Arkansas. If you got some things you want to talk about, give us a call. So, uh, what's up, Java? Let's go ahead and talk with David in Grenada. Okay. Hey, David, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Oh, it's a beautiful day. Yeah, good. Probably going to be 80 today. Uh, um, uh, I have a question. I'm going to sound like an idiot, but i got to ask. I've made arrangements with my neighbor who has about 500 cows. Uh, I was going to come up there soon and get some some of his cow poop he said I could have. And then so I was all ready for that and uh, and, uh, put around my fruit trees and, you know, can't have right. too much poop. So, right. um, but uh, the day before yesterday, I talked to some people that have uh, the garden and they have fruit trees and stuff. And they said, because the cows get, now this is going through two or three people, yeah. so I'm not sure, but some kind of vaccination, of some kind of vaccination problem. And they, they suggested not give uh Vaccinated cow poop to, is there any truth to that? There is truth to it, but not in a way that affects your garden. So, you know, there's a lot of people who hear something that makes sense, and they conflate it into something else. And this is one of those cases, not something I would worry about. Seriously. Okay, thank you very much. That's what I wanted to know. Thank you. Oh, oh, no, no, I'm going to tell you something. One of the things, those cows graze out there, if that farmer's got weeds in his field, you can have every weed seed in the world, so just, you know, be prepared for that. Oh, right, yeah, well, that's a small detail, huh? There you go. That, that's the attitude, my friend. That's the attitude. I just don't want to make the situation worse, but, you know. No, no, you're, yeah. you're fine. You're fine. All righty, then. Appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy Virginia. It's a beautiful place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, Java, jump into it, man. Tell us what we're about to do. And now, these are answers to unasked questions from Felder Rushing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of weird stuff. Every, every profession has its weird stuff. But here's one. I was going through the Smoky Mountains uh, yesterday, through the, and, you know, it, it, the dogwoods are blooming, the red buds are blooming. But I pulled off the side of the road to take some pictures of really unusual little flowers growing on the forest floor. And I think plants like trillium, if you don't know what trillium is, and folk name for it is wake robin. It comes up with three little, uh, doesn't have any leaves, it has like three leaflets and a funny little flower. They pop up along with the, the blue phlox, the bloodroot, uh, some of the wild orchids. There's so many plants that just come up, and get this, they come up, 
they bloom, they get all of the stuff they need, and then they go down for the rest of the year. They're just up for a little short time because it's after winter so they can grow okay, but they have to get all their stuff done before the trees leap out and they get too shady. So they come out, they go, woo, it's like a big party, and then they're gone. Uh, Mayapple is another example. And the word for these are spring ephemerals. EPH emerald. Ephemeral means for a very short time. So we've got a whole lot of things like Jack in the Pulpit, Trillium, Mayapple, so many plants that come up that you can only see if you have a wooded area that's left short and natural. They come up, they do the thing, by the tr- time the trees leap out, they're completely gone. So in case you wondered why you can't find them later on, because they're gone. They're ephemeral, spring ephemerals. How to do on that one, Java? Now, that was a good one right there. Spring ephemerals. Now, that's funny. Nobody, nobody's asking that question. No, but I can see how somebody will go to a you know certain area, see these nice, pretty flowers. I, I just pulled up Wake Robins on the um, on the on the computer. A nice deep burgundy uh, color, and they nice and pretty and big. And then they come back to that same spot, and they're like, "Where did these flowers go?" <laughs> they're, they're gone. And, and 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 you and and all across Mississippi, if you got native woodlands, these plants are as far as you can see. But you turn around. Go back to the truck, get your camera, go back, they're gone. Anyway, spring ephemerals. There we go. So, anyway, uh, we got phone calls? Yes, sir. Let's go talk with uh, Kay in Boonville. Hey, Kay, good morning. Hey, Felder, how are you? So far, so good. Not so bad. That's good. Uh, my question is, um, is the leaves, uh, the ashes of leaves is as good or as beneficial to the to your garden as the wood ash? Well, you know, it's it's almost the same thing. You know, ashes are really basically everything that's left over, which is the basic yeah. nutrients that won't burn up or go up in smoke. So it, it won't be as much of them. You get a pile of, of, of leaves and compost and a pile of leaves and compost, not getting as much volume, but it's the same stuff, same basic stuff. So you got a particular place you're going to put them? Uh, just... Just in the garden, generally, you know, I've, I've got a, a manure pile that's composting, and and I thought, well, I could put the leaf ash in the in the manure pile and let it compost with it. Well, you could, or just cut to the chase and just throw them where you want to. The only place I would not put ashes, wood ashes or leaf ash, I wouldn't put them around the plants that like an acidic soil, blueberries, azaleas, camellias. Uh, you know, they really like it. And if your hydrangeas are blue, that means your soil is acidic. So you put ash around those other plants, it'll make your blue hydrangeas pink, but it also will interfere with how blueberries and the areas. I wouldn't keep them, I wouldn't put them up on the road. Everything else, if you got some left over, throw it out in the yard. Okay. Well, I don't have any blueberries. It's mainly just, you know, just vegetables like. And you could put them in the same place. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pile them. I would just scatter them. Uh, but because they're water-soluble, after three or four or five, six really good rains, you could put them back uh-huh. in the same spot. Oh, okay. All right. And one other question. Do uh-huh. you plant your garden by the signs of the moon? Well, here's my take. First of all, I'm trained as a scientist, and I want to see yeah. facts. But I'm also raised by real gardeners who swear by stuff that I can't prove. And so I'm agnostic on that. I will say this. It doesn't hurt to plant by the moon. 
Okay. Well, I've never done it, and I thought, well, I'll just ask while I'm on the phone with you. Well, you know, you, you've, you've heard you've heard of the old farmer's almanac, haven't you? Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> I get an email from them every day. Well, then he, here's the deal. I'm not trying to pop any bowls because I know some of the editors there. It's published up in New England. This is a thing that's yeah. been published way before we knew anything about real science. And what they do, this is not a scientific magazine. It's an advertising magazine, and they recycle these old things and the planting dates and stuff that they put in there. That's just stuff people from New England are just making up. So what I would do is wait till we know you don't plant till Good Friday in the South. Anybody who, who has never heard that before. And it's not because Good Friday is magical. It's because by then the dirt is warmed up. Uh-huh. So the, and do we that's plant, not plant by, by the, the moon. squirrel? What? What's that? So we don't plant by the squirrel, the, the pecan leaves being the size of squirrel ears. <laughs> You know, I've heard all that stuff, but basically, we know that pecans don't sprout out to the first week or so in April, which is about yeah. the same time as Good Friday. By the way, up north, they don't plant on Good Friday. They plant on Memorial Day because the soil's not warm until May up there. So everywhere you go, we plant by certain signals. It's called, um, who I can't remember the word. It's a funny word. It's, um, anyway, I'll think of the word later. Me and Java talk about it. But basically, planting on stuff that we know happens at a certain time. And pecans don't usually leap out till April. And that's about the same time as Good Friday, which is about the time when the dirt starts warming up, which is a good time to plant. All right. Thank you for all this information. More than you ever want. That should have been a question uh, that nobody asked. But you asked it, so there it is. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Have a good thank time you. in Virginia and Memphis. Bye bye. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna be giving a talk at three o'clock Saturday afternoon at, in Memphis for the Master Gardeners Spring Fling. It's free. And my talk is gonna be on how to get away with native plants and wildflowers and attract stuff without honking off the neighbors. Agri Center International out on Walnut Grove Road will be in the Red Barn. So. uh you know, uh, when, when I'm in England, they say, uh, you're from Mississippi. Have you ever been to the Delta? And I'm thinking, I flunked out of Mississippi Delta Junior College. You're not more Delta than that. But uh, anyway, oh, I, and I found the word. I may, I, maybe I ought to wait till now. Let's go ahead and get this. When you do stuff according to nature signals, like when certain things leaf out or the geese are migrating or whatever, that's called phenology. Starts with a pH. Phenology study of cyclical natural phenomenon and events. So uh, when you start seeing stuff happening and it reminds you of time to do something else, that's phenology. And uh, important to mention that this year, because that hard freeze we had in December, a lot of plants got all their cold requirements out of the way, and they started blooming a little early. The roses that were blooming last April the 10th, were blooming on March the 18th this year. So a lot of plants came out early and they got damaged because plants ain't studying phenology. They, you know, they just do it when they're sun. So it's just common sense. Wait till the soil warms up before you plant the summer stuff. That's not phenology. That's just common sense. And besides that, uh, Good Friday changes sometimes by much of three weeks. So anyway, 
I should have saved that for next week, shouldn't I? Uh, no, man, we can recycle it. And I don't think too many people, too many people are listening. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've been paying attention. We got any calls? Um, not yet. Uh, Kevin, he's he's back there uh, queuing up some things. But I, we did have a caller call in um, from the Jackson County Master Gardeners. You gave off a list of plant sales and swaps, but I think you forgot this one. The Jackson County Master Gardeners are going to have a plant sale um, in Ocean Springs at the Marshall Park. Uh, this weekend, so go out to Marshall Park this weekend, uh, Jackson County Master Gardeners uh, plant sale, Saturday and yeah. Sunday. There you go. Like I say, I don't always know about those. I'm glad people call up and help us out. So, uh, And I uh, would like to mention again, there's going to be a plant swap, uh, the oldest in the known universe, next Thursday, March the 30th at the Flora Mississippi Library. So it's a real fun laid-back group. Don't, you don't have to dress up. You don't have to be anybody. You don't have to know anybody. You don't even have to act right. Just show up. 9 o'clock, and then at 3 o'clock uh, Thursday afternoon, I'm going to be doing a program uh, on, on pass-along plants at the Madison Library. And then the big plant swap they have in Mobile every year is on April, the, April, April Fool's Day. We'll talk about that next week, though. So... Callers? No? Got the lines open? Yeah, we got the lines wide open, man. But I did want to mention that this weekend, even though we're going to have a little bit of bad weather on this Friday, but tomorrow is the 40th Howe St. Patty's Day Parade, and I know you and your green truck are going to be a missing attraction um, as you're on the road (laughs) this weekend. I know, I know. Hey, and speaking of 40th, can I do a little bragging on me? Go ahead, man. Come on. Okay, March 1983, that's 40 years ago, the first time I did a live radio broadcast about gardening. Wow, that I, was one what, year before I was born, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, big boy, appreciate that. So me and St. Patty's Day, are, we got a thing going, 40 years of doing live gardening radio broadcasts, and I've learned some stuff. There's some stuff I said 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago that they were correct, but they weren't right, if you know what I mean. So, you know, as I got uh, white hair growing on my ears and got a little age on me, I've mellowed quite a bit. So uh, 40 years of live guarding radio broadcast. How about that? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Um, we got uh, some uh, some callers lining up now. Um, but can you pick out one of those things that was, you know, I guess appropriate for the time, but nobody's doing it now? Oh, uh, what? Yeah. Well, people people used to, it used to be okay to prune your crepe myrtles <laughs> before it became crepe murder. <laughs> you know that phrase didn't come out until twenty five years ago. So be, before twenty five years ago, it was okay to prune your crepe myrtles. People didn't make you feel like you're you know doing something horrible. <laughs> but uh, I, here's something that's changed, and this is a big thing. Used to, when I first started in the garden center industry and started with the extension service, which I'm retired from, a big thing was having a perfect lawn about you know all the equipment, the weed killers, the herbicide, the weed and feed, and all like that, and having a perfect lawn. And every time you turn on the television or radio or newspaper, there are advertisements about killing lawn weeds. They're the enemy. Well, in the past 40 years, that has changed. People have gotten a little bit... Uh, you know, less sure about the uh, about chemicals. I don't have a problem with them to use right, but people stop spraying as much, and they start uh, relaxing and allowing some clover and some dandelions, allowing a little henbit, uh, some spring beauty, and uh, actually tiny daffodils out in the lawn. 
and they sort of relax towards having to feel like their law has got to be perfect to make them an unacceptable citizen. So people have lightened up quite a bit on the control that they've exerted over the landscapes and starting to relax and enjoy what they're growing, mowing what grows. That's a big deal. Now, that's beautiful. What is also beautiful, we have a um, full bank of calls from Mobile to Starkville. Um, but let's start in Vicksburg and uh, speak with Kenu this morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Thanks for calling. Hello, my call. Um, I have a question about pruning that because of this uh, cold, you know, snap, uh, damage uh, many shrubs, right. how far can I cut uh, prune back, you know, to start for the plant to start? That's a really good question. And the, the caveat is if it's a conifer, like a juniper or a cedar, they cannot be pruned hard. Uh, so, but all the other plants, uh, what we call broadleaf plants, whether they drop the leaves in winter or not, you can prune them to the ground if you want to, and they'll sprout back out. I can't tell you how many times I've cut huge, huge plants back to two feet tall, including azaleas, uh, and they'll sprout back out. So you can cut it as far back as you want to without hurting the plant. Uh, so what I would suggest is keep it the natural shape. If you want a round-shaped plant, prune it in kind of a round shape. But prune it back as far as you, you want to, and the new growth will come back right where you make the cuts. Okay. And uh, one more thing uh, about azaleas, that that the the, the the branch just go long without any leaves in between. Right. right. <laughs> How far can I cut back to get more full, you know, full? Okay. Well, well again, keep in mind that they, that they, wherever you make a cut, whether it's three yes. feet high or one foot, two feet, wherever you make a cut, the new growth comes out right there. So cut them back way below where you want them to sprout back up to. So wherever you make a cut, that's where the growth comes out. So if you got, let's say, two feet with no leaves on it, you can cut it back six inches, a foot, foot and a half, however far you want, it'll sprout out right there. Okay, but, that's very uh, cool. Well, let, let, let me give you one other tip, and a lot of other people listening to this also. When you prune a plant back really far, the roots are still intact. So when it puts out new growth, that stuff is going to be really, really vigorous. So it's important to make a note to go back sometime in June or the 1st of July and snip the tips off that new growth to keep uh. it from growing straight up again. So when the new growth comes out, if you snip the tips off it, it will branch out instead of shooting up long at all again. So cut them as hard as you want now. Sometime by the end of June or so, cut the new growth back a little bit, and you'll be in good shape. Okay. Well, just one thing. When you cut it, should I angle? No, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. You know, some people say you're supposed to prune roses above an outward facing five leaf at leaf roses. I've seen uh, the people at David Austin Roses in England pruning their roses. They're pre- expensive, really nice, high-end roses with electric shears. So so don't worry about that. When you, right. when, you get time, you. when you get time to worry about that. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Appreciate your call. Thank you. Thank you. The job I, I just said, we ain't got time for that. <laughs> well, we do have time for um, Janet in Starkville, who is our next uh, our next caller. Hi, Janet. Good morning. Morning. Um, Hi. wanted to ask you a question. Last year, uh-huh. I had my best crop of tomato plant, and I grew one okra plant. So am I supposed to pull up the old tomato plant that 
it won't come back, right? I need to pull that's, that up that's and right. start all over. With, okay. That's, that's why. And, I, and how, how big is your garden? Oh, it's not really. It's like a little uh, railroad. It's kind of a box. It's yeah. kind of, I don't know yeah, how many feet it is, about 10 feet long and three yeah. feet wide. The, the, re- the, reason, the reason I'm asking, because if you plant the same types of plants, closely related plants in the same place year after year after year, problems start to build up. So what I would do is I plant tomatoes on one end one year and the other end the next year, you know, and, you know, so, you know there's just swap, whatever you got, swap it back and forth every year. Okay. Can it be in the sun all the time? Because I, there's a couple of other... Or does oh, it yeah. have to be in the shade part of the day and sun all? Oh, no, 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 no. Think, think farmers. You know, they grow tomatoes out in fields and okra. Matter of fact, okra doesn't do well at all in shade. So, uh, you know, so put plenty of sunshine. But just move things around. And while you're at it, put some flowers in with it. It's okay to have flowers around the edges. It'll make you feel better, too. Oh. And if something happens to your tomatoes, you still got flowers. Well, I've got lots of dandelions and lots of azaleas out here. There's like three and a half acres and. They're they're yeah. coming up already. No, no, no. Uh, I'm, talking yeah. about, I'm I'm talking about in your in your in your little vegetable garden. Put oh, them around the edge of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Put put some basil okay. in there. You don't you don't even have to like to eat basil. It looks good and it smells good when it rains. But you know, just mix some stuff in with your vegetables so it, so it's pretty. Turn it into a flower bed that you can eat. Okay. All right. Thank you. You bet. As a matter of fact, Java, I'm looking this up. We got another caller. Uh, yes, sir. We have a full bank, man. Well, go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, I was looking for something. Somebody sent me a really, really cool word the other day that they thought of. And I can't. Let's, I'll tell you, what, while I'm looking at this, let's, let's go to the next caller. All right. Here is Luis um, from Lewis, I think, from Mobile. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I can't read this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you need my bifocals? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Okay, so who are we talking to? Lewis from Mobile. Lewis from Mobile. What's going on down there? I've got a question about a plant that's growing wild in my backyard. Uh, Uh It came up last year, and it's coming back up again this year. It's a vine. Um, I think it has about three lobes on the leaf, and it produces a light purple flower that has dozens of really tiny petals that um, they go in multiple directions. Some of them spread outward, and they look like little fingers, and then some of them curl inward around the middle of the flower. And oh, the man. Is, that is, curls, it is it blooming now or later or what? Uh, in the summer. It's not blooming now. Okay. Phew, man. I mean... My problem is I, I've taken so many pictures of the flowers over the decades that it's like it's like looking at the at, at the uh, the I, I can't I got too many pictures in my head. Anyway, you can take a picture. I used and to it know the name of it, and I like yeah. it. I used to know what it was called, and it starts with a C. I want to say, but I can't for the life of me remember what it's called. Welcome to my welcome to my world. I, you know, it may be somebody can call them and say, "Fella, you're an idiot." Here's what it is, but uh, I get I just got too many pictures of my head. So anyway, you can send a picture of when it blooms. I can, yeah. All right, because because otherwise it's gonna bug me and you too. Thanks a yeah. lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send, send, send it looks picture. like spider legs. 
uh, oh, wait, 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 wait a second. I know what it is. And the the, the flowers are kind of pink and white, pinkish and white, the yeah. lavender and white. Would it be Cleome? Yeah. Cleome? Uh, that doesn't okay. sound right. Well, Cleo, it, Cleoma fits that description. <laughs> so anyway, I, mean, it could be. I could be thinking of the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. Send us a picture, man. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, I got too many pictures in my head, and I'm too old to sort them out without a picture. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right, man. Look forward to it. Otherwise, I'm not gonna be able to sleep till you do. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Appreciate it. Okay, and uh, Java. Yes, sir. I got this email from Julie St. Romaine's last week. She said she heard this on Margaret Roach's uh, podcast called A Way to Garden. And she said uh, plants that are edible and ornamental. She calls it edimental. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> edimental. <laughs> so who we got on the line? Let's go to Olive Branch and talk with Barbara. Morning, Barbara. How are you this morning? Hello. Got to tell you first, though, I'm doing fine. I've had a mallard duck and her nest in my flower bed, and this oh, morning boy. they're hatching. <laughs> oh, no. So you're out there down lane. I'm sorry. What a sweet thing. What a sweet thing. Yeah. But anyway, what I called about, I've got Japanese insada irises and a couple of peonies in a pot. Can I separate those now, or should I leave it? I, I I would leave it because you know both of those are are your irises blooming yet? Are the peonies blooming yet? No, sir. Well, you know they they normally bloom in the springtime, and that's the worst. You can move these plants, but the worst time to move a plant is when it's blooming. That's when it's at its at its its most vulnerable. You know, all the energy is going up. So if you could wait, if they haven't started to bloom yet, they haven't really grown that much, if you're gentle with it, you could probably separate them. But once they start making their flower buds, I'd, I'd wait. Okay. Is that the same thing with the irises? Pretty much. Again, irises and daylilies and cannas, you can move those just about any time. There, there's some plants that are really tough. You can move them any time. But it's better to not move them while they're in bloom. Okay. What it is, I want to separate them. You know, and then put some in the ground. But I was just scared to separate without asking. I, I would, you know, and besides that, if you separate the irises, you know, they got a bunch of leaves. They're going to flop over. So when I move irises, I like to cut the leaves back in a little bit of a fan. It looks kind of funny, but it keeps them from flopping over. So this is not the best time of year to do that. Okay. Okay, I will wait. <laughs> Thank you a lot. <laughs> Oh, and here's something you might want to do. Go ahead and dig a nice little hole and gently take them out of the pot without separating and put the whole clump in a hole in the dirt so you don't have to water it all summer. You know, instead of separating them, just, just take the whole thing out gently and put it in some dirt and let them grow there all summer. They'll grow better than having to be watered all summer. Okay. I haven't even thought of that. And on the iris, they're the Japanese inside of iris. Their rhizomes are different, but I was thinking maybe I could just cut straight down in the pot and separate them. They're not over three or four inches tall now. You you can go ahead and do those because they're not that big yet, but just try not to booger them up too much. 
Okay. Okay, I sure will. All right, appreciate it. There we go. Java, when she said peony, people up north, let me interpret. That's a peony up north. There are peonies down south, same plant. Now, Felder, the um, plant that the guy was talking about uh, just last call, Lewis in Mobile, uh, we had another caller call in and said, could it possibly have been an American passion fruit? That may have been what um, you guys were having trouble with. I bet it is because it's got that that lobe leaves and the fly. I bet it is. Uh, Some people call it a passion flower. Um, uh, Anyway, I bet that is. I bet that's right because it describes it perfectly. Well, Lewis, if you're still listening, uh, look that up. American passion fruit, or what you say, felt American passion passion flower. Passion flower. Uh, a folk name for it because it makes uh, round, hollow seeds. It's called maypop. Okay. Okay. <laughs> maypop and uh, uh, passiflora incarnata. Great native vine. Well, let's I go. I think that's what it is. Okay. Well, let's keep uh, keep rolling before we um, hit the end of the show. Uh, let's talk with okay. John in Magnolia. Hey John, what's going on down in the in the, the county seat of Pike County, Mississippi? Yes, sir. How you doing now? Doing good. What's up? <laughs> yeah, um, I got a, a citrus tree that I planted uh, about three and a half years ago, and how's, it, how's it, it was like it was like yeah, it was like it? three and a half. It was like three and a half feet tall when I got it, but now it's like eleven, and it it don't produce anything. Uh, how long no. would it take? Well, uh, was this was this a was a store bought one? Yes, a, a citrus tree, about three yeah, and a half years ago. Yeah, you bought it though. You didn't grow it from seed, right? No, I bought it. It was about it was about three and a half feet tall it, when I got it. it. Well, those are grafted, and they use mature wood and they graft, so it it could have produced later that same year or the next year. So if you've had it that long, there's something wrong with it. What I would do was uh, was follow the trunk all the way back down the ground. Uh, when you buy these things, they're grafted. And uh, sometimes the top part, the part you bought, dies, and the root part sprouts out and have a lot of thorns on it. So check and make, if it's got a lot of thorns on it and the leaves have got three leafless, that's that root stock. It's not going to do much at all for you. But uh, I would definitely prune the plant back, make it to more of a, of a, a big bush than a tall, skinny tree, and let's see how it does. Okay, uh, one last one, one last thing about a a a, a gum tree. It's got a whole lot of roots coming out the bottom. If I burn those roots, it won't kill the tree, would it? Burn the roots? Yeah, like you know, just soak them down and burn them, and they won't be sticking up out of the ground when I mow. <laughs> you know, that's like sticking your arms straight out, wiggling your fingers, and a bird plucking them all off. Don't do that. That's how the trees make their living through their roots. <laughs> here's That's the deal. Fine. The reason here's the deal. The reason they're growing up out of the ground because they can't breathe down deep. Your ground stays kind of wet or kind of heavy, and the roots grow up like that because that's where they have to grow. They can't grow deep in some kind of dirt. So what sounds like to me, you ought to just make you a little border around it, and when the leaves and the sweet gum balls fall out there, just rake them up under where those roots are and stop growing grass there. But no, you'll kill the tree if you burn those roots. So just oh, turn that into a an expert like you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a whole lot easier. If you'll just make a little little edge, it could be you know, and just when the leaves and the sweet gum balls fall, just rake them up under where the where the roots are, and just make the tree think it's out in the woods where it wants to be. 
Yes, sir. Okay. I thank you, sir. Okay. Appreciate it. Oh, me. John, I don't know how much what I do is horticulture, how much is psychology. I just don't know. Well, it's a nice it's a nice mixture, but I'm I'm yeah. perplexed at the burning of the roots. I can I don't think I've ever heard anything about that before. I haven't either, but it just made the hair on my arm stand straight up. I'm thinking I can see people doing that. Of course, people used to burn their their lawns off, get rid of fats, and they set fire to their pampas grass, and they like it. It makes you feel good, but it's a terrible thing to do to a plant. Well, <laughs> now as as my grandmother used to say, well now there. <laughs> Well, now there. You know, my grandma said, you know, we're both in Mississippi. Our grandmama said the same thing. Well, now there. (laughs) (laughs) We got any more calls or are we wrapping it up? No, we're wrapping up, man. We got about a minute, uh, a minute and a half before we kick off the thing. (laughs) Well, I want to sum up a couple of things. Thank Julie St. Romain for sending us the the word of the day, a combination of edible and ornamental. She called it edimental. Uh, also about phenology, planting stuff by signs in the in the springtime. It's time to plant when the when the uh, pecan trees leaf out, that kind of stuff. And we talked about spring ephemeral things that pop up, and before you know it, they're gone again. They're trying to get it while they can and hunker back down till next year. And that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna hunker down till next week. I'm doing I'm doing a thing at the uh, at, in Memphis at AgriCenter. It's a red barn. Saturday afternoon at three o'clock is free. Uh, Java and all the other folks in MPB are going to uh, do that. You'll hear advertising about this. They're going to be there in in, uh, in Pearl tomorrow morning. we got plant swaps in Flora Library and Madison Library next Thursday. And plant sale in Cross Arbor. Hey, if you get a chance, I know the weather's weird, but take a kid to a garden center and find something they could do and show them how to do what we do best. And it's a precious thing we can do. Show kids how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Y'all have a good time. Hunker down. The weather's on its way. See y'all next week. Bye now. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 